For tonight, we're carrying on with Haggai. And if you haven't been to any of the encounters so far, I'm just going to quickly recap where we've got in the story so far. So we're in the year 520 BC. And the Israelites have been in exile for 70 years, held captive by the Babylonians. Now, 70 years later, a remnant of the Israelite people have come back to Jerusalem and they found the temple lying in ruins. But rather than dedicating themselves to rebuilding the temple, they've set about rebuilding their own homes, rebuilding their own comfortable lives and settling down in relative comfortable homes. And they've neglected the priority that was to rebuild God's temple. They've neglected to focus on God. So along comes Haggai, a priest who spends just 15 weeks with the people, exhorting themselves to sort out their priorities. His message is quite simple, really. It's put God at the centre and everything else will fall into place. It's almost identical to the message that Jesus brought when he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all other things shall be added unto you. <laughs> I'm slightly blinded. Neither are promises of an easy life. They're not saying put God at the centre and everything else will come to you and you'll have a life of prosperity. But they're saying put God at the centre of your life. And when you do that, when your priorities are right, then you'll know that overwhelming peace, that abundant peace that comes from knowing that God is in control and he has a plan. So Haggai tells the Israelites, put God at the centre, get your priorities right. And so they choose to listen to his message. So we're going to read from Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. So in chapter 2, we've got Haggai there, 
dealing with an important question, a question that we all face time and time again in our lives. And the question before him is this, how do we deal with discouragement and disappointment? So what was the cause of the Israelites' discouragement? Well, the people were setting about rebuilding the temple. They set about work in earnest. But one month later, Haggai has to speak to the people again. And he has to deal with the issue of shattered expectations. The people were feeling discouraged because they thought that their efforts were insignificant and they'd lost hope. The people who were rebuilding the temple that was destroyed 70 years before were well aware of the reputation of Solomon's temple. And they knew that what they were building now was nowhere near as impressive or as grand as what had been destroyed. And to add fuel to the fire of their disappointment, Haggai points us to an important date. In verse 1, we're told that we're on the 21st day of the seventh month in the year 520 BC. Why does he give us that bit of information? Well, it's the exact date when 430 years earlier, King Solomon dedicated the first temple to God. Everyone had heard about this architectural masterpiece. It was the envy of the ancient world. And here you've got a ragtag bunch of Israelites trying to rebuild something. And they're there with their chisels and they're there with their pots of paint. And they realise that what they're building is utterly insignificant compared to what had gone before. They lost hope. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel that you set out with something full of ambition, full of drive, full of hope and determination to accomplish something for God? We come up with plans and programs and activities. Or we come into worship with a fire in our hearts and a passion in our belly for God. We make all these promises that we're going to go and spread God's good news with those that we meet and work with. And then after a while, our expectations haven't been fulfilled. What happens to us when our expectations are shattered? What happens when what we set out to achieve falls short of where we really want to be? Do we let discouragement wipe out hope? Do we let it dampen the way that we live and steal away those promises of a full and abundant life? Do we let disappointment stop or dampen the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Perhaps in your own life, you've had expectations or hopes and dreams that you've longed to see fulfilled. But the struggle of life, the attacks of the enemy, they steal those away. And we realise that what we want to do hasn't yet been achieved. Do we give up? Well, that's what the remnant of the Israelite people were feeling. They believed that this new temple was completely unimpressive compared to the former glory of Solomon's original temple. Perhaps you identify with those feelings. The devil loves to plant them in our heart. He loves to tell us that what we're doing isn't worthwhile, that it's not worth striving for and putting in the effort. 
Or perhaps you try and compare yourself to the spiritual giants that have gone before. Maybe you compare yourself to people in church. Maybe you look around on a Sunday and think, oh, I'm never going to be as good as them. That person's great at reading the Bible. I'll never be that good. That person's brilliant at praying. I'll never be as good as them. I'll never be as good at this. I'll never be as good at that. And again, we compare ourselves to others. The same can be true in our marriages, in our work life, in our parenting. And we start to get discouraged. And the devil has a field day, dragging us down, trying to stop us serving him. But Haggai comes along with that remedy to discouragement. And what is it? Well, he tells them that their disappointment must not overshadow the work that they're doing. It must not stop them from completing the work that they have begun because God is with them. The words he brings are, be strong. Be strong, all you people of the Lord, and work, for I am with you. And when we feel discouraged in our lives and our ministries, that promise stands firm for us today. God would speak those same words into our lives. Be strong. Be strong and work, for I am with you. God is on our side. He's championing us along. He's fighting for us. He's encouraging us. God is with us. If we want proof of that, we can look back through history. We can look back through the Bible, see the history of all the people there that God has never forsaken. We can look back through the history of the church and see how God has never once left us. And we can look back through our own lives and see time and time again how even in those dark places, we know that God has never left us. And when we look back in history, that gives us a great indication of what's going to happen in the future. God is never going to leave us. If he's never done it in the past, he's never going to start doing it in the future. So that same word that Haggai brought to the Israelites applies to us today. Be strong and work, for I am with you. Isn't that exactly what Jesus told us as well? When he said, go and make disciples, and I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus was telling us to be strong in his power, in his might, in his authority, to go and do his work making disciples in all the world, and that we wouldn't do this alone, not for a second, because he would be with us always to the very end of the age through the power of his Holy Spirit. I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's the ultimate promise of God, God's presence in us through thick and thin, in good times and in bad So if you're feeling discouraged at the moment, if you feel disappointed in some area of your life, remember God's promise is to be with you, just as he was with the Israelites as they rebuilt that temple in Jerusalem. Remember, you are not insignificant. Your hard work and effort is not 
insignificant. The effort you're putting into loving God, to loving your families, to serving your neighbours, to putting up with the difficult colleagues at work, it's not insignificant. God is with you. Don't let discouragement and disappointment get you down. Be encouraged, not discouraged. We get so blinded by seeing things with our own earthly eyes, with our own human perspective, that we only see things our way, not God's way. The Israelites failed to see that this new temple was going to be the key part of God's plan to save all nations. They might have thought it was insignificant, but God knew it was a place where all nations would be redeemed and all people would come to participate in God's kingdom. How often do we fail to see what God can do and will do and wants to do with our own lives and with our church because we're looking with a human perspective? But when we ask God to give us spiritual insight, spiritual eyes and a spiritual perspective, we can see the incredible plans that God has got for each individual here and for all of this fellowship together and for the church in this nation. But we have to stop comparing ourselves to others. We have to recognise that our own lives are important. We are significant because God has put his hope in each one of us. And we each have a part to play. But God is with us. And as we remember God's promises, what's the result? Well, simply, it's discouragement has to make way for hope. When we're fixing our eyes on God, when we're looking to him, how can we not have hope? There's no room for discouragement when we're fixing our eyes on God's plan. If we focus on God, if we offer all that he's given us back to him, then God can use us beyond our wildest dreams. And that's what Haggai has to remind the Israelite people about. So he goes through a series of promises, a series of commands that God has given him to bring to his people, to build them up and encourage them. He reminds them of the prophetic promises of the prophets of old regarding the future kingdom of God and the temple that they're building. He reminds them about the covenant that God made with them when they came out of Egypt. He reminds them that Jerusalem's going to be a place where God's going to redeem the whole world. And he reminds them that the temple's going to be a place where all nations are going to come and all people will participate in his kingdom. The temple's going to play a key part in that. So Haggai tells the people to keep working, to keep going, to press on, not to give up hope, because God needs them to do that work. And those same messages apply to us today. The temple that they were building was going to play a key part in the future. And he starts by reminding them of promises of days gone before. But we need to remind ourselves of promises that God has brought to us about our future. 
We've been blessed with so many words of encouragement, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, pictures, prophetic words about what God is doing in this place, in LMC, in our time, and in the times to come. And there's been so many prophetic words spoken over our whole country and the revival that God is going to bring throughout the UK. And we need to look to those promises and use them to give us hope to keep working even when times get tough. These promises restore our hope. They renew our hope. They build us up. Haggai reminded the people that God is with them and to work because he was with them. It's the same for us today. No activities that we do does God leave us on our own. In every conversation you have with someone, God is with you. Even when you're lying in your bed asleep, God is with you. There's not a moment when he isn't there beside you. And remarkable as it seems, God chooses to work with us. He doesn't go off and do all the work on his own. He chooses to partner with us, making us his co-workers. And so it's really important that we share in that ministry and mission with God, knowing that we're working together with him. The Israelites were reminded of the covenant that God made with them when they came out of Egypt. But when we look at the New Testament, we're reminded that we live in new covenant times. We live in the time of salvation, the assurance of sins forgiven, of the gift of the Holy Spirit, and an eternity sealed with God. What hope that brings us. And then Haggai reminded the people that God's Spirit was with them. It's even more true for us today. God's Holy Spirit is in us. Not just among us, but in us, dwelling inside each person who loves him. And we've got the Holy Spirit building us up, equipping us, growing us, bestowing gift upon gift and more gifts upon us. And he's going to build his church through the gifts that he gives us. And I'm convinced that what we've experienced of the Holy Spirit in this place is but a drip of what's to come. God has got so much in store if we would allow the Holy Spirit to have complete and utter access to every area of our lives and every area of our church life. And when we're fully committed to living with the Holy Spirit, having his way amongst us, then no one can shatter our expectations and nothing can steal them away. The Israelites were encouraged to keep building a physical temple with bricks and stones. But we today are God's temple. We're the stones, the bricks that he's building with. And God says he's going to fill his house with glory. God's going to build through us and accomplish something beautiful, something glorious, if we allow God to fill us with his presence. So don't be discouraged. Those light, those momentary troubles that we go through are achieving an eternal glory that's going to far outweigh them all. The temple played a key role in God's future redemption of the world. We're God's church on earth today and God wants to use us for his plans for saving the whole world. So this should motivate us and stir us to action. 
it should also help us humble ourselves before God. Our obedience to serve God has got to outweigh everything else. God's chosen us to carry out his work. We can't be lazy and let others do that work for us. We have to put in the effort. But when we do, when we're committed to serving God, when we recognize him with us, when we recognize him wanting to use us, then we'll know his perfect peace. And isn't that what we want to see happen to our society and world today? We want everyone to know that perfect peace of Jesus at work in their lives. When we focus on God's promises to us, they'll encourage us. They'll help us look beyond the difficult situations that we find ourselves in. They'll push the disappointment and discouragement aside and allow God's hope and his peace to flood in. But we need to allow him to do that. And we need to recognise that actually what's on the outside might be as unimpressive as the new temple. But what God's doing on the inside is accomplishing something glorious. If we allow God to be at work in us, building us up from the inside, working through us, working in our families, our church, our community, then God will build something incredible, something wonderful. And through us, we're sowing the seeds for future generations to come. That temple was going to be significant for the whole world. You are going to be significant to the whole world because God is partnering with you. He has a plan for you. So whether you worry about what's on the outside or not, think about what God is doing on the inside through you and know that he wants to build his kingdom through you. God gave me a picture when I was preparing for today. It was of a large rectangular masonry stone the kind of stone that you perhaps would see a stately home built with today, a really chunky, heavy stone. But instead of being really straight on the edges with great sharp corners that would be perfect to build with, it was all kind of eroded away. The top, the sides, they're all damaged. The corners were chipped off a bit. And instead of being nice and smooth on the sides... It had little pockets of damage, little cracks, little holes in it. I had a real sense of God saying that we are those stones. We're meant to be those living stones, the stones that God's going to build his temple with. But for many people here, disappointment and discouragement and shattered expectations have started to damage our stones, they started to damage us, they started to erode away at the surface. So instead of being this stone that's perfect for building with, we're slightly damaged, we're a bit cracked, a bit worn around the edges. As I pondered over that, I felt God offer an invitation to place ourselves as those stones into the hands of the master craftsman to place us, those slightly damaged cracked stones, into his 
loving arms and let him repair the damage that the world has done to us. Let him make us perfect again. Let him sharpen those corners, fill those cracks, smooth those rough edges and get us back into the shape that he would have us be for building his temple with. He alone can restore the damage that the world's done to us. He alone can take away the discouragement, the lack of hope, the disappointment, the unfulfilled dreams, the expectations that we want to see realised and haven't. He alone can repair that damage and rebuild us with a hope of a bright and glorious future. A future where he can rebuild us and use us as he would have us do. And when we do that, the evil one can't snatch us away because we're assured that when we're in his hands, we're safe. We cannot be forsaken. So tonight, I think God's offering that invitation. That invitation that if you feel a bit rough around the edges, if you feel a bit like your corners are not as sharp as you want them to be, if you feel a bit damaged on the inside, and not as fit for the purpose that you want to be, then I think God's saying, offer yourself afresh. Offer your lives into the hands of the master craftsman who can restore, who can repair, who can renew, and who will give a promise of a great future. If you feel discouraged, just remember the past. God's presence was with you then. Reflect on the present. Know God's presence with you right now in this moment by his Holy Spirit ministering to you now. And trust in the future, that promise that God will always be with you.